episode 73 of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Dade, and my co-host today is Les. Tonight, we're talking about solo RPGs. But first, let's talk about what we're consuming. Um, so I'm drinking a blonde flat white with two raw sugars. Um, it is my go-to when I have no choice but Starbucks. Um, I right now because nothing is open except for commercial like corporation places um even though people from this area would probably kill me um Dunkin Donuts is garbage um so uh truth Starbucks, <laughs> Starbucks it is I don't know what it is about New England and Dunkin Donuts but I don't know if it it's used a, to be good it, like there it, was <laughs> there was a point in time where Dunks was okay now it's just I taste it and I I know I'm going to have heartburn later right it's just not good so yeah um and I left the house today it was exciting I so I I went to the Starbucks drive-through I was pleased <laughs> that they were pra- practicing good they were wearing gloves and they were encouraging there was a sign like we encourage you to like you know, download our app so no cards or money would take place. Cause if you, if you set up the Starbucks app and like load, you get like a free drink or something if you join like the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was really smart. Um, I have, the, I've had the app for like since it existed. So it's nice just to hold my phone in the air and they scan it and they don't touch my stuff. Cause I, I, I get sketched out when someone okay. grabs my credit card, takes it inside and then, you know. Uh, but the line was super long. There was about 20 cars in the line. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's right next to a big Y, like a grocery store and a BJ's. So maybe it's like mm. after shopping, you know, but really there's not, what else are you going to do? Um, you can't go inside and you can't, I mean, it's raining here today. So anyhow, that was my coffee adventure. I also went to go sell one of my Nintendo switches to somebody, um, which was great. I was going to eBay it, but uh, a local person had posted they were looking for one, so um, that was that was good and unexpected. Um, so I'm using an Apsara Matte Magic on some really awesome stationery themed note cards. I am writing to my stationery pen pals. Uh, you will be one of them less. Um, I think I have your address. If not, I'll get it off air. Um, so they're, they're really great. In fact, I don't know, recall where I got them. Um, they are, they're cool. I'll post a link if I can find them in the show notes, but the aesthetic is perfect for me. Like neon, neon pastels, if that's such a thing. Um, and I've still been playing Animal Crossing, because who hasn't in these day and ages? If you own a Nintendo Switch, if you're not playing Animal Crossing, start playing it. Um, it's really what keeps me sane these days. Uh, and I've also been getting back into some solo RP stuff. I had to do a little bit of research these past couple days, um, you know, to prepare for this episode. So that has been fun. Um, and I've been thinking about creating some online content, because I'm trapped inside and I'm running out of <laughs> while while I could play video games for the rest of my life, that gets boring after a while. And as someone who is very flighty in general, like I I tend to have so many hobbies because I jump around from hobby to hobby. Um, you know, 
I'm thinking of other ways in which I can engage my brain and myself. So stay tuned. I, I still I have some ideas, but I don't want to spoil them yet because I want to see if they come to fruition. I don't want to make promises I can't keep. I do that often. Um, <laughs> so but that's really uh, what's been going on for me. So Les, what about you? Well, so I am cracking open a aha sparkling water with orange and grapefruit flavors. I'm going to crack it open for a little ASMR here on RSVP. That was nice. Why, thank you. I hope everyone enjoyed that moment. Um, so <laughs> anyway, it's, they're actually pretty tasty. I've been so... I don't know about in your area, but the grocery stores in my area look like they've been ransacked. There was I I usually go to stop and shop because it's really close to my house and I like doing the they have they have the shop as you go guns where you scan things as you're shopping. Um, which I love. I and I don't know why I love them as much as I do. I know it helps me keep on my budget, but it's also like I like just picking up my stuff, scanning it, putting it into my own bags, and then going on my way. So I really, I've been using Stop and Shop for that, but it was ransacked. So I've been exploring some of the other grocery stores in the area, and I had to go to Shaw's. And they don't have all of the seltzers that I usually buy, and they had these on an end cap for sale, so I decided I would try a couple of them. So um, this is the orange and grapefruit flavor, which really just tastes like grapefruit to me. There's not a whole lot of orange taste, but I enjoy it. And on a sad note, everyone have a moment of silence for my Kindle, my Kindle fire. I dropped it into the tub. Now, I have been reading in the tub for the majority of my adult life, and I have read books in the tub. I've read um, things on my tablets. I've read on my phone in the tub, and I have never dropped a single thing into the tub in like I'm 43 years old in my adult life. I have not dropped and dropped anything into the tub and I misjudged the distance and I dropped my Kindle fire right into the tub with me. Um, and it got some water into the switch and immediately started to try and turn itself on. Um, and it, it just is completely fried. It does. It will try and turn itself on now every now and then. Um, and it just goes into this like start of the boot cycle and it can't, it can't get itself out of it. So I don't know what's wrong with it. I'm just, I'm going to trade it in. I'm going to get a new one at some point. I'm still in deep mourning for my Kindle. So, uh, just have a moment of silence for my Kindle. Um, so anyway, the drama aside, I'm still whittling down that 211. I've just decided that um, until that's gone, I'm not going to use another pencil. I'm just going to use this one until I can, until it's like down to a complete nubbin and there's nothing left and I can put it in my stub jar. Um, other than that, you know, I've been doing the whole work from home thing and I'm getting, um, used to this sort of new workflow of getting out of bed and, and not having to drive somewhere. And even though my commute was maybe 20 minutes long at the most, depending on traffic, um, you know, really I'm, I'm rolling out of bed and then I'm, my usual process was 
I would roll out of bed, make my coffee, sit down, write a little bit. Then, you know, my alarms would go off and I would go and pick up my coworker and we'd commute to work. Um, and now my commute to work is just walking into my home office and it's really thrown me off a little bit. Um, so like last week I was kind of working on like, do I just roll out of bed and get my coffee and start working? Do I have to have that sort of phase of getting into the routine? And I've realized I am someone who has to have some time before I head into work to sort of wake up and acclimate, acclimate myself to being awake and with the day. So I am going to start having more of a traditional schedule. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do my usual morning thing, read a little bit of the news, write a little bit, and and just keep my routine going because work from home is just so difficult if you're not accustomed to having some sort of routine, I think. And I'm, I am very much a routine person. I have sort of almost a ritualized routine of making my coffee in the morning, sitting down and reading and sitting down and writing, and then um, gathering my things for the day and then heading out to work. So, and it kind of dawned on me because on, on Friday I had to go into the office and I was the only one there. And pretty much other than the security guard and the guy who was coming in to clean the floors, the only person in the building and it's, I work in an office park. So my, our location takes up like, I think it's like 10,000 square feet. It's huge. It's a huge space. And I was the only one in there for the majority of the day, which was, kind of cool, kind of creepy. Uh, and I got an amazing amount of work done. Um, being work from home has really done great things for my productivity. It's been really good for, for my workplace. Um, but going into work made me realize that I feel better when I engage in my getting ready for work routine. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that again. Um, and, but also I don't have a commute, so I have a little extra time. And Dade, you had brought up the fact that you are into solo RPGs. I am someone who has a, all through my teen years and in my early twenties, I did a lot of playing Dungeons and Dragons. I was a DM for a while and I really kind of miss that sort of engaged play. And that sort of the creativity that goes along with the role-playing games. My wife really isn't into role-playing games. I don't have many people around me who would be interested in playing role-playing games. So I decided to start doing some reading and some research into, into solo RPGs. And there's a lot out there. There is a ton. Like, there are a million different solo engines, which we're going to learn more about in the main topic. Um there are a lot of free RPGs out there that you can play solo. There's, there was just a ton of stuff. So I read, like they did a ton of research for this episode. I did a ton of research and it was all very confusing. And then I decided, you know what? I'm going to ask Dade if he can just teach me and we're going to have an episode of RP RSVP where he teaches me a lot more about solo RPGs than I'm going to learn on my own. And so I did end up playing through a single game last night um, using that particular game's engine. And it was, well, I should have written it down, um, the game that I played. It was, um, why can't I find it? I've got this like giant stack of paper. 
I printed out everything because I'm old. Uh, the Chronicles of Erax. Ar- I'm going to say Erax. Um, and it's the Bloodfire Mountain. So I played through that, and I actually enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, so, Dade, I want you to teach me. Teach me about solo RPGs. Tell me more so that I can have a more enjoyable time. There are things that I definitely enjoyed about that particular RPG. I, I liked that it was relatively short. Um, there are about 20 different options for um, making your way through the dungeon or, or caves in this case. And there's a way to like figure out which section of the cave you were going to go into. And it was a role play, like you'd roll a D10 and then depending how many encounters you had, you would add to it. You would subtract from it if you had a bad encounter. Um, and, and so it, 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 I mean, I almost like my character almost died because I had a really bad encounter and I just like the rolls of the dice weren't going for me. And that's just how it works in role playing games. But that was a little frustrating. Um, also, in terms of the gameplay, it was a very traditional, like, you roll 2d6, one is yours, one is the, the monsters. Um, so it was very traditional in terms of, like, I'm going to roll this, I'm going to roll that. There was a lot of rolling of the dice um, to engage in the battle scenes. Um, so tell me more. All right. So when you approached me about this, um, obviously I was excited, but also, um, as you see from that document that I shared with you last night, Mm -hmm. there's a lot. And that's just the main stuff. That's not everything. Um, Mm -hmm. So I thought of how I could structure this conversation into a podcast time limit and framing. Um, and I think when I thought about solo role playing, there were three things that came to mind. So that's really how I'm going to kind of like go through this and we can talk about these things and, and, and do it from there. So, um, I guess we can just kind of jump in and get started. But one thing I thought of, which I want to mention now because I don't want to forget that I thought of it is when you were talking about, you know, your history of, of playing D and D and DMing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it would take a lot of work um, on someone's end, but it'd be so fun to have a – on Roll20, you could play any RPG, to have an RSVP role-playing group. Like, just one time – like, a one, do a one-shot, not like a campaign. Yeah. But anyhow, that's maybe – maybe if I'm really inspired or really motivated, I can – because you have to upload maps and all that stuff. It's just a pain. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so the three categories that I really kind of came up with were the game book category, and I'm sure all of you um, listening, most of you, I don't want to say all, um, remember Choose Your Own Adventure books. Um, that It's it's like those, but on steroids. Um, and then I thought of the other category, which is actual solo tabletop RPGs. There are things created that are designed to be played by yourself. And then the third category are... Um, tools that you use to play any tabletop RPG solo. Um, and that's the most complex and complicated. Um, but let's start at the least complicated, which are game books, because really all you have to do is just buy a book and follow what it says. Um, so there were three that came to mind, but the first one is like the original um, called fighting fantasy. So, 
I think Fighting Fantasy came out. I had it when I was a kid. They came out in the early 80s. Um, and the first adventure was, it's called Warlock of Firetop Mountain. It's like super legendary. Like they've made, um, you know, novels about it and a board mm-hmm. game. And there's actually a, um, there's actually, it, it takes the fun out of it, but there's a cell phone game that emulates the book. Um, so yeah, so essentially fighting fantasy, um, series are a series of books. They're all individual. There's no, you don't have to buy them, you know, all together. Each one is its own individual story. Um, there's about, I'd say 400, what are called threads. So a thread is like, you know, it'll say like, turn to page 72 and then like, or turn to number 72. And then there, mm-hmm. that's a thread. So they're pretty complex and pretty deep. Um, but they're very simplistic. Uh, essentially you just, you could be one of three different, um, kinds of characters. You have three, um, statistics, skill, stamina, and luck. So not, it's not very fiddly. All mm-hmm. you, all you need are, are, a few six-sided dice, which most people have if you don't have them by themselves. I'm sure you have a board game that has them. Yahtzee is perfect. Um, so essentially you just, you know, adventure along, read along, resolve challenges in skill and combat. So sometimes you'll come across like a trap. Um, you got to roll, and if you roll higher than this, you're successful or not. Um, fighting enemies, same kind of thing. Um, and you also can collect items. Um, so it's, it's pretty, pretty in depth, but very entry level enough to not turn away folks that have never done it before. Mm. And the, the point of entry for the, the actual book, um, it's about $8 right now on Amazon. So, um, and there are roughly, no more than 200 pages. Um, so it's, it's something that the form factor is nice and small. Um, you really only need, you know, a pen, some paper and your dice and the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've seen people online, um, create little kits. So they, they create, you know, because a lot of times people sure you have the book, but like if you're a visual person, some people like to sketch out little maps or doing everything like that. So, you know, this is, these type of things are perfect for like pocket notebooks. Um, you know, mm. keeping one with, you know, your adventure and just kind of just something you can take with you. So if you throw it in your bag, it's all like one folded up little thing. Um, you can essentially play anywhere. Um, and then, um, they still, so fighting fantasy came out in the eighties, but then what happened was like most things, um, died out. And then, um, Another company acquired the rights to the series, so then they put some books out. And then yet another um, company, uh, Scholastic is the current company, um, they kind of redid the series. Um, there was a 35th anniversary of everything. Um, they changed the artwork, which was actually not great. The original artwork is so much better, but... Mm. Um, but, you know, they they're still publishing new stuff. So I'm thankful that Scholastic picked it up, but I'm disappointed that they changed the original artwork because that, I mean, I don't, I, you played RPGs when you were younger, less that eighties and nineties artwork is just, it's campy, but it's so good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So yeah. And like I said, fighting fantasy, um, you know, they're, um, 
there are some video games out there based on it. There's a mobile game um, out there, but to me, they they take away the fun um, of mm. everything. But also, um, fun fact: uh, back in the '80s, when there was that hysteria around Dungeons and Dragons, um, the uh, you know they became like this subject of like this like whole panic induced. Yeah. morality issue and so this this huge uh, religious alliance issued a warning that the books could lead players to interactions with the devil um and that <laughs> parents reported um that their children develop supernatural powers i'm reading this from a a, a a website including one mother who reported that her child started to fly sure <laughs> <laughs> right um Alrighty. so yeah so um so yeah and the the creator of it when he was asked about it he's like he was thankful for all that controversy because it helped his sales figures <laughs> <laughs> so um i mean there was a time when gary gygax the the dnd guy they were actually raided by the fbi yeah. um so yeah this was this was some pretty interesting it's it's a rabbit hole if you ever want to look at the history of of dnd and 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 these types of things um in the early 80s um, so yeah, so that was the first thing I thought of. Super easy to get into. Um, the next, um, is a series called Destiny Quest. Um, Destiny Quest, um, just like, uh, Fighting Fantasy started in the 80s, um, based on D&D and all that kind of stuff. You know, the, the authors basically were kind of just sitting around and you know after playing through the final fantasy books they they wanted they wanted to find another game like that and there was nothing there so mm-hmm. they created something that was like that um it was actually i think from what i've read about the history they wanted it to play more like a like a mmorpg like a world of warcraft multi player online rpg type things where there's this really big universe you know where people could could kind of do more than just have that railroad adventure because at the end of the day fighting fantasy once you play through it there's very little replayability unless you want to see how you do over and over again so this was destiny quest was done in a way that kind of took a step above fighting fantasy they had that feature of character customization which i think was really important i never played destiny quest when i was a kid um i bought them a couple years ago but you have more you're more attached to it and it really models the tabletop rpg experience of having a character that you create um and you tell a story with so you can collect like items and armor and and weapons and they're they're much much longer. In fact, to their detriment, the first book is about 700 pages. Oh my god. <laughs> right. And so it's the size of like when you think of a like a not a mass market paperback but like a paperback book. Yeah. It's it's pretty thick. And so to carry that with you while it's not heavy, it's just cumbersome and then also imagine opening the book and keeping the pages open and and so i really wish that they either made the format bigger to reduce the page account mm-hmm. um or did something but yeah it's they're thick it's like like i'm trying to look on my shelf here i have it somewhere it's thicker than like the bible um sorry it's next to quran next to the bible and the quran so that's why i'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's actually what's weird it's the same thickness of i have Mur- murakami's novel 10q84 or 1q84 okay. it's that thick it's thick. Um, so, yeah, so throwing it into a bag, 
I'm weird about my stuff. Like, it's hard not to, like, ruin the pages or get it crushed by things, you know, because it is a, a paperback book. But so much more involved and so much more fascinating. Um, the the writing is, is a lot better. It's not as as campy as the the fighting fantasy. But that's why I like fighting fantasy, because it is very much that old school D&D feel. Yeah. But yeah, so you you essentially you can play the, through the book many, many times and the path is never the same. And I think that that's what makes it stand out to me because it is so different. Um, there is replayability because there's so many paths um, and there's, right. you know, you can either, you know, there's not much in far as far as character choices are concerned. You can be a warrior, a rogue or a mage. I mean, even with just three, that alone introduces replayability and then you can essentially um what i really liked about it is you can choose different careers for your character Hmm. and i mean i'm not going to list them all but there's like about 10 you know which adds more so you could be the traditional healer you know you could be a ranger um you could be you know a pyromancer you know as a mage you can be a rogue and be an assassin um so yeah so there's there's many many options to to further customize your character and then there's there's obviously weapons you can gain but there's also like epic weapons that that that's really like could be the core of your quest so that's pretty cool. And the combat is very interesting. You said less when you played um, what you played last night. Um, There's a lot of dice rolling. Mm-hmm. And for me, yeah. I like that because that's what I miss about playing with other people. But this is where I think for people who don't like things that are fiddly, this might be not a deal breaker, but something to consider. Essentially, there's like four steps to combat. So like you have to roll for your attack speed. Um, then you have to roll for damage, then you apply your damage, and then you apply passive damage. So it's very complicated, mm-hmm. and so that's why it, it's it's not it's easy to get into, but it does take some thinking and reading. Whereas Fighting Fantasy, just pick it up and do it. So yeah, so like I said, there's several. I don't know how many books are in the series, but there are quite a few. I think at least four. So definitely, and they don't build upon themselves either. So they're they're each their own individual universe and story so that that's something to consider too so you don't have to buy book one if you don't want to finally for game books there's a book called fabled lands and fabled lands is so unique and so different than a lot of other game books that it encourages open-ended free roaming gameplay and that is something that before i learned about these i think was i'd never considered possible you know when you play a tabletop rpg you can do anything you want um, it's up to the, the DM um, to tell you whether or not you can do it, but you can do whatever you want. That's the joy of it. Whereas, you know, the other two, Destiny Quest and, you know, Fighting Fantasy, you have this linear quest that you adhere to with some little branches off. And when you finish with your quest, that's it. Book's over, game's over, you're done. Mm. The Fabled Lands gives you an entire world to kind of do whatever you want to do. So there's no real limit or linearity to it. There's no like set quest line. There's no way to really like finish anything unless you die. You're not done. You know, there's, there's hundreds of quests to do from small little fetch quests of go get this item and bring it back to epic quests where you're, you know, going to seek out this enemy in a cave and have to rescue somebody. And you can do these all on your own time. So, you know, I, I played with Fable Lands a bit last summer. You know, I, I would do some quests and then I would 
work on my character and wander around and discover new areas um, and build up my abilities. Because one thing you do have to do, sure, you don't quest, but then if you encounter an enemy, you're going to need to be powerful enough to, to beat it. So it in- mm-hmm. you have to quest, but you're not forced to. What's also really cool is um, that you can acquire like assets like houses and ships and you kind of uncover the plot by using keywords it's it's mm-hmm. it's really hard to explain um i'm gonna try to find a really good either youtube video or website that explains this but essentially the books are connected if you want them to be mm. um so i only own the first book um, but there are 12 okay. so all together so for example like if you're playing the first book you don't need the other books but if you get a keyword um, that's in, say, book three, you can then flip over to book three and continue in that world because each one is kind of different settings, um, different mm-hmm. environments, different worlds. So, yeah. So it's like I said, I'll find something to, to better explain it. I, I don't. It's very hard to explain. Um, the first book, though, is, is definitely I mean, it's your traditional um, equal parts wilderness, equal parts urban kind of setting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, also, with Fabled Lands. For me, at least, I had the most investment in my character, which for someone who really wants to kind of be attached to their person they create, Fabled Lands is kind of it. They also use um, just six-sided die. I th- remember for me what was helpful, this is a side pro tip, um, having several. And so when you're rolling for yourself and for the enemy, having the enemy die be different than the yours. So you can roll everything at once and can differentiate mm-hmm. who's who. I think I used four d6 with fabled lands but again something that's very easy to to access but again i think the first book is less than ten dollars maybe as much as 12 so it's it's pretty cheap to get into but also i think with patience is the most rewarding of the game book category i said a whole bunch there um i don't know if you have any thoughts or no so the the free um sort of the, the thing that i had downloaded and played last night the um, Chronicles of Eric sounds like it's probably a ripoff of, of fighting fantasy, um, like the Bloodfire Mountain um, RPG that I played. It sounds very similar to the fighting fantasy. And it's, I think, in terms of like the frustration of rolling the dice um, over and over and over again, it was sort of like I just, it just made it a little fiddly and confusing in terms of that particular game's uh, style. Um, Less than I didn't like it because that is something that I always enjoyed about role-playing games is like, okay, so, you know, who's going to, you know, roll a natural 20 type thing. Um, And so it sounds like um, all of these would be a lot of fun. I'm definitely going to try and, and mess around with Fabled Lands. I've got it on Kindle Unlimited, so I'm going to test that one out. Um, and I'll let you know how I like it or not. And I, and I, you did mention, uh, previous to the recording that Kindle Unlimited is probably the worst way to play it. Um, but I'm going to test it out just because I have Kindle Unlimited and I won't have to buy anything. So. Right. Okay. So the next category that I want to talk about are actually created for solo tabletop RPG playing experience. Um, these are, are games that, that 
that don't require any sort of, you know, adaptation, right out the gate, they are made to play by yourself. Um, and the first one that came to mind when I was thinking about this um, was something called D100 Dungeon. It's really cool concept, and actually the first two versions are completely free. Uh, I will put the link actually um, in the the show notes um, when I find it, because I want to find one... Where I get it is off a board gaming forum, but you have to sign up to download. I want to find it somewhere else where you don't have to do that. So I will put it in the show notes. But D100 Dungeon um, is really simple. All you need are some graph paper, uh, two ten-sided dice, and a six-sided dice, and the book itself. And essentially the concept is, you know, you, you take a mm. character and you make your way through a dungeon and it's called d100 dungeon because it's full of different tables and when i say tables i mean like a a rolling table from one to a hundred you know you'll enter a room um you know you each quest you go to the dungeon you have a goal as you go along you loot things you add better equipment to your character and you make the map as you go um which i think is super cool and super unique there's also a a print and play version which essentially they've created they've created a version where it actually plays like a board game where you're actually given pre-drawn dungeon tiles to me it takes away the fun of of actually playing with a pen and paper and creating your own as someone who's not very artistic uh, <laughs> D100 Dungeon is great because, um, you know, you roll on, you know, you, you essentially, to map your dungeon, there is a, a table, um, that has a hundred different room size options. And what you do is you roll and based on what number you get from one to a hundred, and just to, for non-RPG people to roll a hundred, like to roll dice, dice to make a hundred, that's why you have two D10s. One mm-hmm. is, is, uh, one D10 is one through ten, and the other one is ten through double zero. And so, if you were to roll a twenty and a three, that's a twenty-three. That's essentially. Mm-hmm. So, say you roll the twenty-three, um, then you go look at this, this table, and you see, oh, a twenty-three, I'm looking at it now, it looks like a long corridor. So you basically draw that on the map that you're creating for your dungeon. And on top of that, things are color-coded, so based on what color you see, it tells you what happens. So 23, for example, shows me nothing happens, and I'm really just walking down a corridor. Were I to roll a, you know, 77, I'd be entering into a room where I'm going to have an encounter with something. So it not only tells you what the room is going to look like or what the progression is going to look like, but what happens during that progression. I wish... There was a better way for me to convey this over a podcast. Um, yeah. Actually, I'm going to message you less with a picture of what I'm looking at. Okay. Um, it's in Messenger. So, yeah. So, there's different options. Um, again, there's, there's tables for everything. Quests, uh, monster creation. Everything you could think of has, has, something you roll on for it. And so I really like that the first two versions of it are free uh, because it gives you, while it's not perfect, it gives you a really good sense of what it feels like if you were to invest in the version three, which is the more polished, um, mm. polished version. 
Um, what's cool too is if you were to order it on um, Drive Through RPG, which I'll put a link to, you can either get the PDF or have it print on demand, um, which is cool. which is really cool. So I will say though, just as an aside, I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but if you just buy the PDF, you can't print it. Really? Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's really frustrating. The creator will not budge on that. Um, no one gets it. I think he, you know, versions one and two, the free versions are printable, but the third version is not printable if you just buy the PDF. I'm not sure if it was to drive sales of the book. Um, I've talked to the guy. He's in the a lot of forums that I participate in. He's a reasonable person, but I think mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he was just super protective of his his stuff. Um, mm. But there are ways to make a PDF printable, but we're not going to talk about them. Um, so anyhow, um, I just wanted to put that out there in case someone was going to buy it PDF only. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really cool because you not only have investment in your character, but you have investment in the adventure you're creating. And I thought it was super, super unique, you know, and have you looked at the picture yet? I have. Yeah, that's really cool. So what's cool about the print and play version is those hundred different options for, for rooms are actually printed on like chipboard, like tiles, and then oh, wow. so you can lay them out. Um, it's just very expensive. And for someone like me, I rather just, you know, n- not do that and draw it because it brings a little fun to the to the whole process. Yeah. So, yeah. In addition to D100 Dungeon, um, there's uh, another game called Four Against Darkness. Now, Four Against Darkness um, is another dungeon delving type game. And, and these all have a similar. So the reason they're all dungeon delving is because that's where you can really solo play the most. I mean, you you can't you can if you're really creative, but it's easiest to, to solo play a dungeon because it is there's no art role playing per se as much as there would be as if you were to let's drop these adventurers into this wilderness. Go. You know what I mean? Right. So th- there is a reason that these are dungeon delves. And, and for someone like myself who, who likes that stuff, um, mm-hmm. it's perfect. It's also, I can draw dungeon rooms much better than anything mm-hmm. else if I have graph paper. Um, and it's really cool to see how creative people can be. Um, some of these are like works of art once they're finished with their adventures. So yeah. I really, you know, appreciate that. So anyhow, um, for Against Darkness, um, you can find it actually on Amazon. It's a print on demand, but it is super, it's like 13 bucks. And again, similar concept to D100 Dungeon. Um, you basically just need the book itself, a writing implement, grid paper, and two six-sided dice. Um, you don't need miniatures. You don't need anything else. Um, it's not like a choose-your-own-adventure type thing. It's really just... You choose four characters, so you're playing the role of four characters, not one. You get them all equipped, and you start venturing in dungeons by rolling dice Mm. and making choices. So each time you enter a room, you have to generate that room. So that's where rolling on, you know, random tables comes from. And so I keep keep saying that, rolling on random tables, and like – What's really interesting is the very first version of Dungeons and Dragons, there was actually a section in the the Dungeon Master's Guide that talked about solo play. And no one realized that, that the original Dungeons and Dragons actually Mm. nodded to solo play. So a lot of these are using random tables that were used actually back then. So, you know, you're sitting in this room. All right, what's in it? 
Um, what does it look like? Um, are there monsters? Is there treasure? Are there tables? Are there chairs? Are there is there a fountain in the middle of the room? So all those things are created by yourself, and then that's where the fun creativity. I think for you, Les, you would like this because there's there's a drawing involved, um, yeah. and it's a way to to kind of stylize what you like like how you like to stylize it like if you look at the different ways of, of people some people just use the squares in the graph paper other people kind of freeform it um but it's really cool that after you you're done playing you have this really cool record of what you've done yeah um, and that's what i find to be really cool and there's a lot of fan created content um like character sheets and all that other kind of stuff um so it's really well supported by the community and so it's it's definitely something that I, you know, recommend to folks that I recommend it to folks more than D100 Dungeon only because it's not as it's not as robust as D100 Dungeon. And it also gives you the sense of the tabletop RPG experience of adventuring in a party because you're you're mm. playing a party of four people so yeah so those are the two that, that came to mind there are other um i'm not going to really get into them deeply um there's a system called tunnels and trolls there's been yep. there's been so many iterations over the years i'll put a link to the latest um iteration um it gets kind of confusing actually of which one is current um, but i found it um it's kind of like a, a D&D style. And then there's Dungeons & Dragons. So back in the day, you know, I think it was first or basic. It wasn't even first edition. So mm. Dungeons & Dragons, there was a first edition. But before that, there was basic D&D. So this is, you know, these adventures are, you know, basic adventures. It's essentially a choose-your-own-adventure game with some additional mechanics. They're really cheesy, but they're really cool to kind of play <laughs> nowadays. And there's so many of them. Um, I think it's really cool um, that Drive Through RPG actually is making available all the original um, Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Um, what is exceptionally disappointing, though, is that they are scans of copies. So oh, yeah. in the late 70s and early 80s, no one really could conceptualize the internet like we do now. Mm-hmm. And also, no one really thought this would be as big as it has become. So some copies aren't very well preserved. So for example, either they, I forget what it's called when they, when they use a computer to kind of read the print and then the OCR. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so sometimes that's fine, but sometimes it really messes things up and they just leave it. Yeah. So it's, it's like, you know, you're paying five bucks for a PDF. It's five bucks, but like, Come on. Another issue with some of the old ones is because it's scans of actual old pages, like one of them, I forget which one, there's like a a coffee stain on one of the pages. Like (laughs) like that was the best copy you had at like Wizards of the Coast headquarters that you've, you know, like, and there's like bleed through so you can see the shadowing of the text on the opposite page. So they're not very printer friendly. Um, In fact, I found better and I'm not going to get into this because it's illegal, um, but there are ways to there's a place where you can get every adventure you ever wanted scanned in. And the fan scans are actually better than the actual ones that they're selling. Um, So, yeah, but they're they're fun and they're worth checking out. You know, they're they're about five bucks each. And like I said, I'll put I'll put links to 
two of the more commonly known ones in the show notes. That's really it for the I mean there's there's many more but they're so tiny and small that like I could spend a lifetime talking about Oh yeah. <laughs> like you'd found out, you know, a couple of days ago while you were researching this stuff. Holy crap, there were a ton of them. Um one that sounds like a miniaturized version of D100 is called Business Card Dungeons. It's less a solo engine and more of a way to create a sort of randomized dungeon within a very set sort of dungeon itself. I thought it was really cool because it, it, it uses like some tables and then you roll a D6 to come up or D, D6 or D10 or D4 depending on what monster shows up, depending on what you want the like how the walls are are like you have the option of rough stone walls, walls with traces of former murals, mortared stone walls. Uh there are dead leaves and similar debris on the floor, there's nothing notable. Or there are gnawed bones and old blood stains. Um so anyway, I just it was I thought it would be kind of fun to play with that. And so one of the things I did was I just sat down and created a dungeon and it was really cool. Um but it would make for a really short because it's only eight rooms, it make for a really short uh gaming session. Anyway, I thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, no. I actually, that came up on my radar like a long time ago, and I thought it was a really cool concept, and you're right. It reminds me a lot about, um, reminds me of D100 Dungeon a lot. I think it could, could, could combine the two in a way, and then create a, um, we were talking about this offline, like a way to play, um, via, what is it, D, 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 what's the, what's the site that you can play role-playing games together? Oh, uh, Roll20. Roll20. Um, but like you could create a really quick game that you could play with friends over Roll20. Right. And really, I mean, well, nowadays it's a different world. We all have more time, but generally <laughs> there's not a lot of time to, to do things. So that would actually really be a, a perfect way to, to mm. do that. So yeah, I guess we can go to our, our final category, which is the most complicated. This is like level three, like, I'm a super, super nerd, but in a good way, and I really want to get into this. Um, maybe, you know, you've used these things before. Um, but these are two ways of many that I have tried to, sometimes unsuccessfully, sometimes successfully, play a published adventure made for a group of people. I've been able to play it by myself. The best well-known is called Mythic GM Emulator. Essentially, it's an engine that uses logic to determine how things are going to go. So everything operates around something called a fate chart. So that determines the odds of whether or not something will happen. So let me, let me try to think of a scenario that I could basically show that how this would work so let's see for example what is the you know my character is in an open field and he sees like trees in front of him how likely is it that he's going to make it to those trees without being seen Mm. on its face that's a hard question to answer but then you think about all the other things okay so i'm role-playing an orc 
and he's a warrior and he actually no he's a paladin and he has plate armor and also in the distance there's some there's a village um and there's a he's right off a road so the likelihood he's going to get there successfully goes down with all of those factors he's big Mm. he's slower plate armor makes noise when you run there's a village nearby and there's a road so potentially there could be people around so you use that kind of logic to then give yourself odds so like you know you go from essentially it's like a a likert scale um from Mm -hmm. impossible to sure thing um so for me in that scenario i would pick there's a 50 50 chance that that would happen and so you essentially would then you know roll on that chance you you would look and see like okay so 50 50 chance um if i roll one through 49 i don't make it if i roll 50 to 100 i or I, if I roll 1 to 50, I make it 51 to 100, I don't make it. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. So, and then, you know, I think that there's there's another layer to it called the chaos rank, which makes it easier or more difficult depending on what's going on. So, on top of all of that, say that this orc who wants to make it to the, the tree line without being detected, um, on top of being noisy, slow, and being by a road in a bunch of villages, there there's a, a species of bird um, that is kind of flying ahead mm. and um, is is the type of bird that will scream out when you come close to its habitat. And its habitat happens to be the woods. That's going to bring mm-hmm. the chaos level way up. Um, so it reduces yeah. the likelihood. So it's a really cool... Um, it's, it's very complicated. Um, I will actually um, share this with you too. We're kind of doing this in real time. It's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> it's super complicated, but I, that's a really good description of, of it. Um, you'd really have to like read the entire document to understand that chart, but essentially it's just a chart, um, that you kind of cross reference to determine how, how yeah. successful something will be. And so for me, that works fine. Like I can use that when I use Mythic for a published adventure, but other than that, it, beyond that, it gets even more fiddly because you, you can create your own adventure um, and set that up and create characters and do all that. But if you were to mm-hmm. use it with a published adventure, you would essentially use it the way I just did. And that's that's fine. And so I think that the golden rule here is use it how you want to use it. There's no rule to using it besides the rules you need to make it work. Right. So I never liked Mythic um, beyond that simple logic principle, which mm-hmm. – I think um, anyone can just use generally. I just didn't like the whole rest of it, which is is really kind of. It took me more time to to use the tool than to have the tool be successful for me. Right. I spent more time figuring out how to use the tool than to play the game, and that yeah. soured on me. Some people love it, um, but the other thing, the other thing that was created um, a couple of years ago when Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition came out was something called the solo adventurers toolbox. Mm-hmm. This is phenomenal. You can use it for anything, but they designed it specifically for fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons to the point where there are direct page references in, in the book that if you own the Dungeons and Dragons books, like say the monster manual, um, yeah. it'll be like, 
you know, this this monster is on page 72. And then you can just, you know, so it helps you cross-reference. I also, yeah. I also like the creator. He's really cool and accessible in some of the groups that we're in, um, and he's receptive to feedback. He also has a ton of solo adventures that he's created as well, which I'll link to. But the PDF is 15 bucks. Um, once you buy the PDF, he doesn't care if you print it. Um, so I actually got a really cool sale at Staples where I, I had it printed and everything for, you know, bound and all that for less than 20 bucks. Nice. So it's something you'll definitely want to print because of the amount of tables that are there. You're really doing a lot of page flipping and, and you want to have stuff in front of you. So, so yeah. And so the solo adventures toolbox is essentially, it's really like 25% like rules. The rest are just tables to create every single thing you could think of. So even for that alone, it's worth it to, to own or to have if you were thinking of creating your own adventure, because essentially it's like, all right, I want to create this world. What kind of world is it going to be? What kind of environment? What's the temperature? What's the mm. weather? What's the I mean, there's everything. Um, so, yeah, it's really, really fun to use. It's really well done. Um, it's been edited really well. Um, so it's really clean. It's it's intuitively designed. So you're not kind of stumbling over it. Um and so, yeah, it, it's it's really great. I do have a gripe with his solo um, adventures that he writes. In fact, I was going to suggest this to him. He allows you to print those, too, but they're they're made to look like they're on parchment paper. Oh, so they use up a ton of toner or ink. Correct. I wish he would create printer friendly versions because, again, the design is awesome. Like it's it looks like something that like a huge company would publish because it's that good. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, they're not printer friendly. So yeah, those are the two things that I use. Um, I, I don't, I really only play Dungeons and Dragons from the book. Um, I never really got into Pathfinder or the other systems just because D and D has always been something that I'm familiar with. It's mm-hmm. also had the most support um, in the world. So there's a lot of fan made uh, stuff um, that helps supplement your adventures. So um, that's it as far as, as the three categories that I spoke of. And I really just want to touch upon very briefly mm. some content creators and then um, very quickly go through the tools I use and then maybe talk to you less about some of the things that you've been using because I'm interested. Um, so for content, really, it's there's three main YouTube channels that I, I view on a consistent basis. Um it's a weird name. I'm not sure where the guy gets it from, but he's his channel is called Artichoke Dip. Um, <laughs> I think he's this he's this dude, and I was very skeptical. Um, he's like a truck driver. He lives in the Midwest somewhere. I think Dip is referring to dip, like chewing tobacco. Okay. Because um, sometimes he he has it. He's he's this lovable character guy. Like like I, again, I thought I was going to get something else than what I got, um, but. You know, his production quality, he's using either a webcam or his cell phone, which is fine. But he is super great when it comes to, like, budget suggestions and repurposing things. And he's super creative. Um, and he's just really down to earth and just a really cool kind of, you know, it's a really cool kind of channel because he, you can tell he loves to do what he does. So, yeah, it's something that I've gotten inspiration from, and I will continue to, um, like I said, because he, he talks about things that I actually own. A lot of times, some RPG channels, you have these groups of people that own all the expensive out-of-print stuff, 
and then they talk yeah. about them and, and unless I'm going to, um, you know, access them illegally, I'm not going to ever see those things. So you're telling me about something I can't even access unless I spend hundreds of dollars on original copy of it. So yeah, it's not really fun or accessible. Um, another channel, which is actually kind of brand new and has taken the solo RPG world like by surprise and also has introduced a lot of people into solo RPGs, especially now, is a really witty name for a channel. It's called Me, Myself, and Die. And it's a voice actor who um, decided to um, create his own series on playing tabletop RPGs by himself. But because he's a voice actor... It's mm-hmm. it's fascinating and great, and he has money, so he has different camera angles and good microphones, and he's just a really good storyteller, and he does different voices, and it's engaging, and it's really fun. So I definitely recommend that. That's that's it's production quality to the sense of like it's like a series where you could just binge watch in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, someone on YouTube called Geek Gamers. Um, she has a ton of content around um, playing different types of games by yourself. But she's also really good about explaining things in a way, like I had mentioned to you off air, Les, she is a Mm -hmm. professor, so she has a natural knack for explaining things. So she's really good about that. And she's also really good about showing you creative ways to make your own kind of adventure and also using different board games um, to have your adventures. Um, mm. So definitely worth checking out. Um, and she just has a really good voice for video, um, which helps a lot. All right. So finally, I just want to talk about the own tools that I, my own tools that I use uh, to participate in these various activities. <laughs> there are actually board games designed uh, to emulate the experience of Dungeons and Dragons. There are, are a bunch of uh, licensed Dungeons and Dragons ones, and they're great because they're about between fifty and sixty dollars um, on Amazon, and they come with like fifty or so miniatures and like dungeon tiles. So like, even if you don't play the game, you have all these resources you can use for other things. So I recommend. I have three of them, um, which gives me a ton of resources if I want to plan my own adventure out (laughs) as far as dice are concerned any will work um i'm kind of a snob when it comes to dice i use a brand called game science they Mm -hmm. have been around for oh god they were the dice that were included in the original dungeons and dragons set um they're unique in the sense that so the dice that most folks buy chess x or otherwise they have been tumbled because essentially what happens is dice are made um, on sprues, right? Mm-hmm. So they get clipped off uh, and then tumbled. So they get smoothed out and that little clipping part um, doesn't show anymore. Game science does not tumble their dice. So they have sharp edges. Um, and the creator of game science dice is so great. I mean, I'll have to post a link to the YouTube video. He explains why his dice are superior. Um, and they are, um, people have tested them. They just roll more randomly, even with that little tiny clipping part. Um, it's not big enough to where it affects the roll of the die, but like they don't sacrifice accuracy for beauty. Um, and mm-hmm. I love them. 
they give you the feel of playing with the original stuff. In fact, when I posted something about the uh, Field Notes uh, Dungeons and Dragons book thing, someone yeah. was like, where did you get those dice? They're phenomenal. Like, you know, because they're that striking and that cool. Um, yeah. And you get to ink them yourself. They don't come inked. So you get to do the old fashioned. You can either use a crayon, which I do. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can use a marker or what have you. So game science dice or what I use, any dice are fine. Really, at the end of the day, you're having fun. So as far as paper is concerned, <clears throat> I mean, I have graph paper, but I really, really like the Kokoyo Campus dot rule paper. So it's ruled paper, but it has little hash, like dot dots, hash marks um, that you can use to create your own graph paper. So mm. this works really well. You know, when say you're you're taking notes on your adventure, but then also you need to draw a diagram or, or keep things neat and organized. It just gives you that much more um, guidance to to actually plan a graph out a piece of paper. So I like the versatility of it. Plus, it's super smooth Japanese paper. I mean, how could you go wrong? Um, mm. For I use for pencils. I didn't put it on my list, but any pencils fine. Um, I don't really have a preference for pencils, but for pens, I use the um, the Sakura Pigma Micron set. So essentially, the set, I think it's a set of eight or so, going from 0.2 to 0.5 millimeters. I sometimes use the thicker one millimeter. Um, and these are great for drawing out maps and getting those fine mm-hmm. details. And they last fairly long. I have had problems recently, which I'm not sure what that's about, but of them kind of exploding yeah. or like leaking, like... Like I put, I've had that happen before. Yeah. Like when I was keeping them in like an art bag, That's where I found they yeah. leak into the cap. Yep. So maybe the key is to keep them separate in their package they come in. So they're, I don't, I don't know, know, but I've had that. It's been disappointing. But anyhow, those are super helpful to have. Um, for erasers, I use exclusively the Tombow Mono Zero rectangular version. Mm. Super fine, fine, fine eraser that allows you to really only erase what you want to erase. Um, I recommend it. Um, for miniatures, I mean, there's there's so many brands and, and what have you, but I really like um, the, the miniatures that are made for, um, like Dungeons & Dragons, for example, the company that makes them. The regular ones that are painted are really bad. Like, I'm not going to mince words. It's... They're bad. Um, and so there is a line of them, which are like the, the better quality, um, called Nolzor's, um, marvelous miniatures. And they're the ones that are unpainted, but they are, the quality control is so much better on them. I mainly play with unpainted miniatures because, like, they look better, but that's what I use where I, if I were to use any kind of mini, usually the games that I've played in recently have been theater of the mind. So you're not using miniatures unless you're doing some kind of tactical battle. And then in that case, you just use one of your die. Like you don't, you know, really need one. But sometimes mm-hmm. when I create a character, I start an adventure. I, I'm really invested in my character. So I'll just buy a miniature that resembles it to have it as inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, everything else, um, I definitely like, owning things so owning the copies of the books like i had said previously there are ways to get every role-playing thing ever published on a piece of paper for free i'm not going to tell you how yeah but i, I like <laughs> owning 
the books, um, especially the the new um, D&D 5th edition books, um, they've done a really good job of, of between the artwork and really kind of laying things out for folks. And so even if you own nothing else, getting the D&D Player's Handbook, which has I mean, I've I've seen it for less than twenty dollars on Amazon um, at times when it's usually like a forty dollar mm-hmm. book. So and just kind of I kind of keep everything all together. So when I do have an in person game, um, I can just grab it and go. So I just have a bag that I keep my role playing stuff in. Um, you know, I try to keep it simple. I print out a bunch of character sheets and and just you know, because because one of the things I didn't really mention, um, which I think some people may relate to if you are a role player i sometimes just like to create characters and never use them Mm because character creation itself is a huge huge thing it takes a while um especially for D &D, you know you got to pick your character's roles and your history and your you know there's so many things to do so you know i definitely there's joy in doing that so but that's really it i mean that's that's a very brief um run through of solo rpging the way i do it there's so much um, one of the things that I found w- was really interesting is that there are a lot of people or have been a lot of people creating their own engines um, yes. for solo role play. Um, one of the uh, options I found was called one page solo engine. Mm-hmm. And it's basically everything you need on one page uh, to play. And it just it's it applies to any sort of role playing, um, or I should say game system. And I thought that was really neat because it. So one of the things that I found really difficult with the Chronicles of of Arax is that I kept having to flip back and forth, back and forth. Okay, how do I do this fight scene? How do I do this? How do I do that? And it was a little confusing to do that because I was flipping back and forth. With this, everything is right on one page. I could take this and apply it to that particular game, or I could even apply it to one of those books, Mm -hmm. and it would work. And I think that's the case, I think, with any of the sort of, like, engines. You could adapt it to anything, even if there are sort of – it's not meant for that. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, another, and this was free. So a lot of this stuff I found on uh, drive through RPG and on various websites for free. So the one page solo engine was free. I might play with that a little bit. Um, and then another thing that I have read, done a basic read through on, um, it's a little older. It's from 2014. It's called perilous intersections. And that's a solo RPG engine. I'm not going to link to any of these because I haven't tried them. Um, and then the nine questions or the the N, nine Qs solo RPG engine mm-hmm. um, is sort of a classic. And it's based off of a um, screenwriting technique where you ask nine questions to move your story forward. And it also uses, you need to have a random idea generator and they use story cubes. Um, you could also use other things. You could use mythic or an idea generator that's online. Um, but I like the idea of some of this stuff is coming out of writing. And I just find that fascinating. Right. So, 
Um, I, I think that there's so many options to play in uh, either on your own or to take something and make something sort of almost random and play with others. So I don't know. I, I, I think this is, it's kind of getting my creative brain going. It's also another rabbit hole for me to go through. So I don't know how deep I'm going to go into this. Like, cause of course, like, because I'm a creative person and like you, you, we were talking about this earlier. It makes me want to create more content. Yes. Um, it makes me want to say, okay, so the Chronicles of Arax, how can I take that and how can I make it better? And how also can I queer it? Because one of the things that I always enjoy doing and have enjoyed doing about like when I was playing Dungeons and Dragons or reading books about Dungeons and Dragons is that it was very little work. You can take it and you can create a play space that is queer positive. And a lot of the original games and the original books were really not queer positive, but it doesn't take much to make it into a really queer positive space for play. No, totally, totally. So I think we can wrap it up here. I think we've done as much talking as we're able to do in this format on this topic. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, again, I, you know, I, I always thank folks, but, you know, we did something different, uh, you know, last episode we put out, and that was to have this kind of check-in episode. It was kind of like a, a 72.5 um, version, <laughs> and it was really fun and really great, and it was cool. There was a very small audience. Maybe there'll be more next time, um, but it was very intimate. Um, I had a really good time doing it, and the time flew by, uh, spending time with not only my co-hosts, but with, with those that listen. So we're planning on doing another one. Um, you know, I'm planning on doing these throughout, so so – it's been really great to put out even extra content, more content than we normally would have um, put out. It makes me at least feel more connected to all of you and just to the world as a whole. Um, you know, especially in these times, we kind of get caught in our own universe. And so um, mm. this is actually a perfect episode to have because it allows people to maybe explore other ways to, to be present in their worlds. Um, so, you can find us online um, at rsvpstationarypodcast.com. Um, there will also be a link to the Spectrum chat and the Discord channel. Uh, you can find me, Dade, at weeklypencil.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Weekly Pencil. Lenore is on Twitter at Lenore underscore Hoyt and on the Erasable Podcast and stationary, RSVP Stationary Podcast uh, Facebook groups. Uh, Les, where can we find you? You can find me at ComfortableShoesStudio.com, Facebook at ComfortableShoesStudio, Instagram and Twitter at OriginalLCHarper, and I am in Spectrum and on Discord as Les. All right. So until next time, uh, hang in there.